0: What's going on, people? I would like to welcome all of you to another Q on 1 edition of the Talk to Q Radio show. My name is Quincy, and this is my show. And with the Q on 1s, what I like to do is interview people. He's the executive producer of the DJ Sessions from the evergreen state of Washington in downtown Seattle. Please welcome Mr. Darren Bruce to the Talk to Q radio show. Darren, how's it going, man? Hey, QQQ. I'm glad to be here on your show with you this evening. I appreciate it. So first of all, what is the DJ Sessions? Tell, me, tell my listeners what that's all about. Well,
1: the DJ Sessions is a live stream podcast series that features A-list celebrities, DJs and local DJs from around the world. We started about 10 years ago with the mission of featuring local DJs that didn't have the opportunity to get to a worldwide audience. So I built a live streaming television studio that would take my friends from the nightclub and expose them and get them out to a worldwide audience. And by doing that, we also met a lot of A-list celebrities that would come by our studios and gracious with their presence and spend exclusive sets in our studio and hang out with us and have fun in the electronic music world and try to show people what we felt when we were in the nightclubs to the world on in an online experience, a live online experience. And we've been doing that for about 10 years. We've podcasted the series. We have over 1800 episodes and it just keeps growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, um, The world is where we're going to, so we're taking this electronic music experience and sharing it with the people to show them who the best is in the local markets, as well as also focusing on the people that are the biggest names in the world and bringing that to people in their homes, in their
0: phones, in their pockets, and that's our show. So, you know, initially, I thought that you were a DJ yourself, and you're not, you you know, you're the executive producer, but... How did all of this come together? How did you get started and decide, you know, hey, this is what I'm going to do. You know, what sparked this 10 years ago?
1: Well, you know, I was a kid in the club a long time ago and I'd be in the dance floor dancing and hanging out. And I would look up at the DJ booth as everyone does in the nightclub and oh, we all praise or give homage to the DJ playing the music. And, me being the kid of, of wanting to play with video cameras at a very early age said, how come nobody is capturing this in a video sense? And what if I could bring video cameras into the nightclub, record this, and then distribute what was being shown of the experience that we had in the nightclub to the rest of the world? And so that took a long time. That didn't happen overnight. I mean, I have been nightclubbing since I was 18, and that was in 1992. So move the forward clock all the way to 2009. And when technology made it accessible for us to actually distribute this via YouTube or podcast or live streaming, I was able to take those experiences of what we would seen in the nightclub and then put them online and show the world what I experienced. So no longer did you ever talk about what you saw at the nightclub and share that with your friends at a local level. We could share that with the world, and that could be somebody in London, Tokyo, New Zealand, uh, Sydney, I, I, around the world. We could put that online. Not only could we put it as a podcast, we could put that as a live streaming element and let them interact with the show as it was going on live. So it was just a mer- it, it was a mer- it was a collective effort of a lot of technology over a lot of years of putting things together to make sure that my vision of what I enjoyed seeing in the nightclub, I could share with the rest of the world. And that's how it kind of came about. My passion of loving music and sharing music and being on the dance floor, I just want to make sure that other people could share that same experience and not have to talk about it from memory. They could go back and watch it and listen to it and hear that DJ set and say I was there and or I participated in that and and make sure we can collectively bond in a
0: worldly mission rather than just a local mission if that makes sense I think that's a great idea and it kind of reminds me and I'm I'm in Jackson Mississippi and I remember the first time I went to a nightclub in Chicago and it's totally different than what goes on here in, in Jackson, Mississippi. As far as the music, you know, it's a lot of high energy techno music or house music like they call it. And it would have been so nice to be able to document that experience back in 1994 when that happened. And so I think what you're doing mm-hmm. now is great because it gives people an opportunity to see what it's like in other cities and be able to experience some of the same um, it's the same fun and, and instances that people are getting um, in the local area. So I think it's a great idea what you're doing.
1: Well, I, and I didn't start on, in electronic music. My first experience of actually being in the club and being part of a television show started with a hip-hop television show, a public access television show out of Seattle called The Cool out Network. And it was so funny that I actually was on a date. It was this 1992. I was on a date. I was in a nightclub. And the date was kind of going so-so. But out of the corner of my eye, I saw this guy with a camera. And there was a host. And they were talking. And they were doing their thing. And I walked over to him. I said, hey, what are you guys doing? And they said, we're filming for a hip-hop television show called The Kula Network. And at that time, I was 92. and, And they were on public access. And I said, how can I be a part of this? And so um, right there, I kind of found my first foot in the door of getting involved in a a distributed show on public access television, doing a hip-hop television show. And they were showing and interviewing the A-list celebrities at the time that were hip-hop artists. I mean, one of the first episodes we ever produced was with Mary J. Blige Blige, right before Realms had just blown up. Yeah, and she was playing this club in Seattle. And, you know, it was, it was amazing being on the whole hip-hop thing. And out of the years, I kind of moved over into the electronic music world and started doing my show and, and moved into my broadcast um, world of doing shows with Fox and NBC and then got into podcasting when I worked with Apple and then later on going into live streaming, doing the DJ sessions of featuring electronic music acts. And we've had a number of A-list celebrities that were – before they were A-list celebrities appearing on the show – and then later on blowing up and becoming worldwide entities. And we had some of those first interviews when they were here touring for the first time. So my roots go way back to hip-hop and talking to some of these early pioneers to also translating that to the electronic music world and getting some of these early pioneers of the electronic music community also on camera, on film, and interviews with them before they blew up. And now electronic music has become this huge forefront In America, I mean, it's always been big around the world, but in America, you know, the EDM movement about 10, 12 years ago just blew up, Um, but to to talk to some of these people before they were big stars has just been amazing, And, and still being able to cultivate the friendships with them
0: as they've been growing over time has been amazing as well. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And, I mean, Seattle is kind of, you know, up in the top left corner of the country, and people shouldn't sleep on Seattle now. Uh, when I was growing up, one of my favorite rappers uh, was Sir mix in the late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> and he, he was doing his thing in Seattle. But I think it's great that, you know, you were able to get your roots into, you know, R&B or hip-hop and, and everything. And now you've kind of transitioned to elect- what you call electronic music. Can you kind of give the listeners an idea of what type of music that is like? Um, you know, if they go into a club that plays that, what are they going to hear? What are they going to expect?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh growing up in what you said, growing up in Seattle, uh, you know, Sir Mexalot was one of our pioneer rappers, you know, hip hop artists that made it out of the city. But Seattle has been traditionally known as a rock or a grunge market, especially in the late in the in the mid to late nineties. We became the grunge capital of the world, and we were a very band-centric sure. market. A lot of bands, a lot of um, you know garage bands, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the bars. I mean, you couldn't find electronic music at a nightclub. It was considered The Underground. As a matter of fact, one of the first nightclubs that I ever went to at 18 years old was called The Underground, and where I met Donald Glaude and DJ Eva two of my pioneers, two of my good friends to this day that have become superstar sensations because they were pioneers of being in part of the underground movement in a market when it was so filled with grunge and rock and we were that band market. And to see that transition, um well traditionally when you when you would go into a bar, you'd hear a band play and there'd be a four piece or five piece band playing. It's now become a transition to the DJ market, the electronic music market we are going to see the DJ playing music and everyone's going to be dancing and having fun. But the DJ has become the center of the stage as opposed to the band or the, 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 the singer, the bass guitar player, the guitarist, mm-hmm. the drummer. It's now become the DJ that's playing the music, to the club. And to see that transition happen over the last 20 years, especially in our market, which again was a, a very rock and roll band kind of market to a, electronic music market has been a a very interesting shift um to see that go to so um when one would go to a club now uh or to a uh, i mean if you go to vegas or you you go around the world you're going to walk into a club and you know you won't see that band playing anymore you'll see that dj playing and the dj has become the quote-unquote rock star of the stage they are doing it with the lights and the smoke and the Pyrotechnics and the action and the lights and everything and' um, it's, been, it's been a very interesting ride through the music transition of of seeing the evolution of the band being the four piece or five piece band to the one person show. and that one person is the one you're watching, and where the bands used to you know you used to get like ACDC or Metallica or you know the uh, Rolling Stones or these big bands through these stadiums. Now you're getting the DJ and they're filling the stadium and they're getting, you know, these major electronic music shows are getting 200,000, 300,000 people filling these major oh, festivals wow. that are going on, rocking out and doing it around the world. And, and many of these events have popped up all over the place and it's, it's become a,
0: of a worldwide phenomenon, I would say. You know? Okay. And so for the people who are participating virtually, how difficult is it to kind of get them involved? I mean, it's one thing to actually be at the club, but what kind of feedback are you getting from the people who are enjoying this virtually? That's a great question to ask because 10 years ago, when we started the live streaming DJ
1: show, everyone said, Why would I watch this online? when I can go to the club and I can hear them play. So we weren't catering necessarily to our local market. We were trying to cater to a worldwide audience of showing the world what was happening at our local level. So we found more acceptance in the worldwide market of people wanting to tune in from New Zealand, Greece, England, Japan, all these countries. They tune in and say, wow, that's what's happening in Seattle. But our local market, they'd say, well, if I want to watch these people, I'm just going to the club and I'm going to watch them. Now, since all, you know, since what happened in March happened, everyone's moved to an online presence and the nightclub is now online. You dance in your home to your favorite DJ. You aren't going out to the nightclub because the nightclubs are all shut down. So, you know, it's, it's a very interesting twist to be a pioneer on something that Started where we wanted people to say, we never were anti-nightclubs. We wanted people to go to the club. But we also wanted to show the people that couldn't make it to the club that this is what happens If you missed it or if you can't be here, and you didn't have to be here in our local market, you could be here from 50 miles away, 100 miles away, 1,000 miles away. You could be halfway around the world and still watch what was going on with our local market. And and building that, that was our whole – our mission to create that outreach to make sure people saw the extraordinary talent that was happening. And, and, and this could happen in any market, but we're based out of Seattle and showing the world what the Seattle talent was capable of because they were just as good as anyone else out there in the world.
0: Nice. I like that. And so – I'm on your website at thedjsessions.com, and I come across something called oh, – thank you. Um, <laughs> and I come across something called a solid disco, and I've heard of it before. I've never had the pleasure of experiencing it, but can you tell my listeners what it is?
1: Yes, the silent disco is, is one of the most <laughs> – to me, of course, I'm biased because I love it so much, A silent disco is the ability to throw an event, throw a show, and instead of listening to it over a loudspeaker system or like what you're traditionally used to of hearing the music come over and everyone's listening to the same thing, you put on these headsets and in the headsets, the music is transmitted through these headsets. But it's not just the one channel, the one show you're watching. With our silent disco technology, I can have four djs playing at the same time over headsets and you can choose what channel you want to listen to not only that you don't uh, have to be in front nice. of the stage to listen you don't yeah you don't have to be in front of the stage to listen to the dj playing you can go a thousand feet away from the stage and still hear what the dj's playing on the stage and choose what channel you want to listen to That's and amazing. So <laughs> I haven't have experience four, that. Yeah, we have four channel headsets. We have four channel headsets. We're about to launch and get into the ability to do nine channel headsets. So imagine nine DJs playing at the same time, and you're all collectively getting their sharing experience, but you can choose what channel you want to listen to.
0: That's pretty wild. That is pretty wild. Well, and so we're right. taking it even one step further. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry.
1: Go ahead. I was going to say, we're about to take it one step further. We're about to, we're about to do what's called an evolution in the game of silent disco. We're going to take it and take, instead of saying silent disco, we're now going to come in and say we're going to call ourselves silent concert where we're bringing in some other additional technology where you're going to actually be able to feel the music. When I say feel it, it's going to be like you're standing in front of those subwoofers base of the stage rocking you out, but you're going to be able to take it away. You can stand behind the stage, in front of the stage, 500 feet away from the stage, and you're going to feel like you're standing in front of the subwoofers of the stage and feel the music wherever you go with our silent distance technology. It's going to be a game changer. We'll talk about that in a few months. We're going to go
0: do another interview. I'm going to tell you how it goes, and you're going to be amazed about what we're doing. Okay. Yeah, let me... um... Hold on, let me check Delta Airlines see how much a flight is to Seattle, because I see I need to book my flight. $37 really
1: <laughs> if you want to fly $37. $37 one way right now. Get up here. i got a place for you to stay.
0: $37? <laughs> <$37, huh? laughs> what airline is that? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've found oh, okay. some discount airlines right
1: now. <laughs> I had somebody that was right, fly from so, L.A. the other day. It
0: was like thirty-seven dollars round trip. I was like, okay, fly up, hang out, let's have fun. Said, you can't, you can't beat that at all. And so, as far as you personally, how how often do you listen to music outside of the job? I mean, are are you truly a music fan?
1: I first and foremost, I was raised on music. Uh, my father was definitely a um, of a huge influence in my life of introducing us. As parents go, some parents get locked into their genres, And they say, I'm locked in this genre, and this is what we're going to listen to. My father didn't do that. My father, I was raised off of the likes of Supertramp, Queen, uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, Even every Sunday, my father made us listen to country music while cleaning the house. It was very interesting growing up in my household. So I grew up with a very musical background. My brothers were in a band and he, he lavished his affection upon them by making sure they got their studio and their equipment, and I was kind of more the tech guru. I, my brothers, when they went to instruments and making music, I went to video. So we, I was one of the first kids with a video camera on the block at six years old. So my brothers were musicians. I was a video guy. But my dad made sure we had a very music, an open musical household in the sense of things. So when when all my friends were listening to rock music in the sense of going through the MTV generation and we went through, you know, the Iron Maidens, the Black Sabbath, and then it came out and they started getting the more of the commercial rock of the Jeff Leopards and that. I actually turned my ear to run DMC. I turned my ear to the hip hop. And so listening to that music. And later on, into the life of Che Short and NWA and started getting on my West Coast tip of things. And it was still accepted in my household that I was going through my musical journey while my brothers, you know, were going through their rock musical journey. And then later on, you know, getting into uh, the electronic music thing uh, of, of going out to my first nightclub at 18 years old. Actually, I was going to nightclubs before I was 18. Don't tell anyone I was getting into clubs under age. But yeah, I won't tell I, anyone. i could get into clubs underage, and, and, you know, I could get into clubs underage. Had a few friends with a fake ID or two, and then get would get into clubs. But they were playing – there were DJs playing music. And the dance floor was going. And it was my first club that I ever went to. I remember with, with seeing an artist by the, our hometown hero, Donald Glaude, seeing him at a club called the underground. And I'm telling you, I, I did my thing. I would go back to the pool table, and i hang out and do my thing, like I did at the club. When I went out to that dance floor and I saw two, three hundred people dancing, to this guy DJing, and they were all synchronous. synchronous. They were all in, I, I don't even know how to explain it, but they were all just dancing to this amazing beat. I said, I got to get up on the stage and dance. I just got to get up on the dance floor. And I just got up and started dancing, and it started this whole love of electronic music and being in that realm. It wasn't, The mosh pit that I was kind of born of, which my brothers were punk rockers, and and being into that kind of world, this was my dance floor. This is where I wanted to be. And um, I never looked back.
0: That is great, man. You have a very, very, I mean, diverse musical palette uh, based on the artist you name there. So I think that is great. And so we'll get ready to wrap things up, but let my listeners know how they can get connected with you and the DJ sessions on social media. How can we be a part of all of this? Absolutely. All you got to do is
1: find us online, thedjsessions.com. That's thedjsessions.com. We have all the socials going on. We have over 1,800 episodes. Our website says it all, thedjsessions.com. Go there, find our socials, follow us. Find us. The biggest thing is if you really want to stay up to date with what we're going on, follow us on Twitch. You'll know when we go live. Follow us on iTunes or any of the other podcast mediums. We're all out there, and you'll get updated with all our latest episodes. Our our website gets updated with the latest episodes as we update our podcast. We spend a lot of time and a lot of work making sure that that happens. So we keep our, our listeners, our viewers, our followers up to date on every single episodes that gets published as fast as we can do it. If we're not doing it live, it'll come out eventually in a day or two, and you'll be up to date. We have over 1,800 episodes doing our show for the last 10 years, and we just keep focusing on independent local artists, but sometimes we salt and pepper it with some of the baddest ass DJs in the world, because they're some of our friends, and they're really cool people, too. And they support what we're doing, and we're really glad that they're there. So again, go to the thedjsessions.com and You'll find out what we
0: are and what we do. All right. You can definitely do that. I've been to the website. There is a ton of content out there for people to check out. And, um, Darren, I appreciate you joining this Q-on-one edition of the Talk Radio Show, man. And hopefully I'll get a chance to um, maybe make it to Seattle someday and mix it up with you and Sir Mix-A-Lot. <laughs> Or maybe I'll come down. Maybe I'll come down and take our mobile studio down and do a show with you. Hey, that's great. That's great. There are plenty of people here looking for something new to do. So, um, especially with that silent disco, man, I think that'd kill it down here for real. We're planning. We're planning a road trip here soon. It's called the Freeway Sessions, the fastest moving DJ show in the world. All right, sounds like a plan. All right, I'll talk to you soon, Quincy. Thank you and that's going to do it for this t2q podcast go to talk 2 q.com and that way you can sign up for the email newsletter and be alerted to new shows as they come out i'm on twitter at talk and that's talk the number two q so i want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast of t2q and i'll see you next time